Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles tonight, if you will, turn to the book. Let me see, I've got it marked here. I've got several scriptures I want to go to. 2 Thessalonians is where we will begin. I'm trying to understand, and when I say trying, then we're using that which God gives us, which is the Word and, and our ability to hear, uh, our ability to comprehend, and the ability of the Spirit of God to take the written Word and reveal the living Word, Jesus, into our heart, or give us what the Bible calls revelation. That Word we studied last week when we were looking at uh, 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 Matthew 16, where Jesus talked about saying to Peter, after the revelation that he had of Jesus uh, of being uh, the, the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus made this statement. He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed it to you. Now, he didn't get it from observing the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't get it from, he, didn't, he literally didn't get it, get it just because he was uh, counted as one that could be in the inner circle of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was counted or granted to him by God. I like to say it like this, God opened his eyes. He saw Jesus in a light he'd never seen him before. Let me say it like this, when he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he saw Jesus in his deity. And the Word of God is designed to reveal Jesus in his deity. You know, a lot of times religious uh, religion, uh, religious Christianity, uh, they, they have a revelation of Jesus in his birth, baby Jesus. They have the, uh, a revelation of what they call the suffering Savior of Jesus on the cross. But they have no revelation of whatsoever of the risen Savior seated at the right hand of the Father. You say, well, why is that relevant? Because in every revelation you are included. You say, what do you mean? You're included in his death, burial, and resurrection. You're included in his ascension to heaven. He's actually given you the same position that He has. He is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And He's given you that same position in the kingdom of God. That's why you should always fight an offensive fight. You say, why? Because He's already established you in victory. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good, good point. So we've been attempting by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God to understand some things about our experience together, the church, the interaction of pastors and, and members of the body of Christ, what it means, how we should value it, and how we should be effective in what we do. Now, one of the things that, have kept, that has kept me greatly encouraged, that I've seen it encourage pastors over the years greater than what I would call numerical or financial success in a church is effectiveness of a church. You say, what do you mean by that? It's better to be a church of 10 people and be effective than be a church of 10,000 people and be ineffective. And I'm telling you, ineffectiveness will wear you out. There are some areas we've been extremely effective in. Many of them unseen and unknown to the church body in general. And most of that has been in the nations of the world. But we have achieved a level of effectiveness even here in our community and here in our area. And we want that to increase. We want that to continue because the light that shines the brightest shines at home first before it can in the nations of the world. God has opened some great doors for us. Some of the other men and women of the church that are in ministry, God has opened some great doors for them. But we want the church, the local church, that we are sent forth from, that we go forth from, to grow, to expand, and to give us a greater realm of influence in this area so our effectiveness can increase. You say, well, what is the point of that? We want to see more people saved. I said, we want to see more people saved. 
We want to see more people restored to fellowship in the kingdom of God. We want to see more people healed by his mighty power. We want to see the drug addict delivered. We want to see the religious person converted to the reality of who Christ is in their life. Amen? Amen. That's the purpose of the church. Now, as we've been studying the church, let's look at a few scriptures. 2 Thessalonians. Eh, Let me see. Let's start in verse 3 of chapter 1. The second letter from the Apostle Paul, the Holy Ghost, to the church at Thessalonica and the church in Galveston. Amen. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or able, now notice this, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Now let me say this. As an individual outside of a church, you will find it hard for your faith to grow. Your faith grows exceedingly within the confines of a corporate vision in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, a church that wants to win the loss. A church that wants to see the sick healed. A church that wants to see the nations reached. It takes personal faith and it takes corporate faith And the Apostle Paul looked at the church at Thessalonica and said, I'm telling you something, guys. Your faith, speaking to them as a church, your faith is growing exceedingly. That's the will of God for us. Did you know that's the will of God for us as a church? Because as our grace grows exceedingly, then our effectiveness increases and we're able to touch more people. Now, let's let's get on the same page so that we understand our purpose and what we want to excel in. Life affords every individual, no matter what your, quote, lot in life is, it it affords every individual some level of hurt and pain. Has anybody here ever been through anything that hurt? (laughs) Is anybody going through something now that's hurt or painful? Well, listen, the whole world is going through that type of stuff without hope. I mean, could you imagine going through the pain of separation, divorce, death, bankruptcy, uh, diagnosed with some dire disease, and having no hope whatsoever? Lynn, I witnessed that. Uh, oh, last week we ministered to an individual that I, I knew from years ago, and, and when we went into the, 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 the hospital room to, to minister to him, thank God they, 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 they were able to, uh, to, to listen to us and be led to the Lord. But when we first began to talk to them, their plight was very, you know, it was, it, it was very dangerous. There was, there was a very difficult diagnosis. There was a, uh, in the eyes of this individual, you could see the fear and the pain, not of the event that was fixing to happen, but of everything thing that had come up to that event to cause it to happen. And their own words, their own words manifested what was in their heart. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. That's what they said. I'm afraid. I asked them, I said, do you know what would happen to you if on that operating table you were to die? You say, man, you would ask such a harsh question as that. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are eternal questions that must be answered. And in a situation like that, you are much more vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable like that, many times is when the mercy of God can get to you. Listen, the mercy of God is trying to get to everybody all the time. The mercy of God is trying to show up in people's lives. People just keep fighting it off, keep rejecting it, keep making excuses. But thank God we found a little bit about the mercy of God and He's touched our lives with it. And in doing that, it's amazing the difference between the atmosphere of the room when we first walked in and when we turned and walked out the door. You say, what do you mean by that? The peace of God had come. 
The peace of God has come. Now, we were not just there as Rusty and, Rusty and Leah Martin Christians. We were not just there as Rusty and Leah Martin pastors of Island Church. We were there as Rusty and Leah Martin as a part of a body that looks for that effectiveness everywhere we go. The ability to lead people out of death into life. The ability to lead people out of darkness into life, which is in your, each and every one of you's heart and lives. Amen. All you need is the opportunity. All you need to do is just be available and God can use you. And I'll guarantee you He'll use you. And in so using us, our faith grows exceedingly. Amen? How your faith groweth exceedingly. And the charity or love, or the charity or love of every one of you towards one another aboundeth. Now listen to that. That the love toward one another is what? It's abounding. Listen, God puts us together for a purpose. Puts us together for a reason. Now, let me say this. I've, I've said this before, but I don't know if I've really made the point I need to. I, I, I came back to the Lord. Y'all, everybody knows my testimony. And, and you know, I, I just, for lack of not knowing what else to do, I just went to church with my parents. My parents were attending a, a wonderful church here on the island. And, and there was nothing wrong with the church, nothing wrong with the pastor. But I was so hungry for God. I just begin to, I begin to look for other places to go. I begin to, to seek uh, you know, other voices to speak into my life. I ended up in, in Tulsa at one of Brother Hagen's meetings, and Kenneth E. Hagen, and I had known him as a, as, as a child, as a little boy and up into a young teenager. And I'll never forget, I visited with our pastor. Our uh, pastor's uh, uh, brother Goodwin had gone on to be with the Lord. Sister Goodwin was still alive. And I went to her house before I went to the first meeting. And so when I went to her house, it was kind of comical. She was talking to me. She said, are you going to go uh, to the meeting tonight over, over at Uncle Ken's? Yeah, to all the Ramah students, he's, uh, he's Dad Hagen. To, to all of us from First Assembly in Pasadena, he's Uncle Ken. He said, are you going to go to Uncle Ken's tonight and listen to Uncle Ken uh, uh, preach and teach? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm going to go. And she said, now, now get ready. He's got big britches now. Well, I didn't know what she was talking about until I walked in. Saw 3,000 people there. No chairs. He get up and teach on faith and on prayer during the day. I mean, just, just, just. The more I got, the hungrier I got. Amen. And my and my my attempt to follow the path of righteousness for my life led me to Lakewood Church. I wanted to go to Raymond. The Lord said, "No, you're going to go to Lakewood." Went to Lakewood Church, and at Lakewood, I found a home. I found a pastor. I found a mentor, and I found a place that captivated my attention and empowered me to hear. Now let me say that again. I found a place that captured my attention, empowered me to focus, and began to impart unto me revelation according to that which God was doing in my life. I mean to tell you, I was like a dry sponge, and I soaked it up five days a week, and Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. Couldn't get enough. Would drive 55 miles, sometimes twice a day to be in services, and it was never an inconvenience to me. I felt like in my own spirit I'd be there forever. I felt like this is the place I'm going to launch ministry from. Indications from the, from the authority of the house, from the pastor and his wife, from the family that pastor the church. Indications from them is they were going to help me do it. 
I mean, Pastor John Osteen, he said, where do you want to go? I'll help you go. What do you want to do? I'll help you do it. I mean, that was his desire to help people like that, to send them out, to get them into the world. And then within about three months after graduation, I found myself in a church that had 30 people and met in a funeral home. Now, it took me several years to figure this out. But the Lord knew that I needed to continually be in places that challenge my growth. Now let me say that again. God knew that I needed to be continually in places that challenged my growth. And the same thing is true of each and every one of you. God knows you need to be in a place that challenges your growth. And as your growth is challenged, and as you respond to it, and as we do it together, our faith grows exceedingly, and we begin to love those that God has gathered us in and gathered us with. We were at, at uh, Pastor Sam Carr's Freedom Crusade this year, and, and I came walking in through the side door into a meeting, and there were uh, three ladies that I knew uh, from my days at Lakewood Church, uh, one of them being... Pastor Osteen's personal secretary, another one being uh, the financial administrator of the church, and another one of them just being a, a real prayer warrior in the church. And just like you snapped your fingers, it was the same fellowship, the same feeling, the same anointing, the same joy, the same unity that we experienced way back 30-something years ago. I mean, they actually came to our conference this year and were in every service. You say, why is that? Because there is a unity and a bond of peace in those in whom God grows up together in the things of God. Satan knows that. He fights that. And some of you wonder why you're here. It's because God knows this is the place in which he can maximize the potential of your growth to get you to the place he's calling you to be. Now, look a little further in this and we'll... It says... uh, And that the love of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory, now listen to this, so that we ourselves glory in you, in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Now listen, every one of us are going to experience persecutions and tribulations. But God wants you in a place and with a people that can help you endure it. Now, I've I've listened to some testimonies over the years, read some things, listened to some things. Uh, People talk about how they've received from God. You know, I I received from God. You know, I got delivered. I got healed. I got this. I got And I'm telling you, nobody laid hands on me. Nobody ministered to me. Nobody, nobody did nothing. I'm telling you, I got it. I got it on my own faith. I got it on my own. Well, that's good for you. I'm glad for you. Me, I need everybody praying for me. I need, I need everybody interceding for me. Everything I've gotten from God, somebody's helped me get it. I said, somebody has helped me get it. I don't stand alone by myself saying, look at my faith. Look what the Lord's done in me. I'm here to say that everything that I've gotten from God, there has been a multitude of people that have spoken into my life, carried me when I couldn't carry myself, encouraged me when I was unencouraged, unencourageable, and caused me to have the faith and the courage I need to continually step forward in the things of God. 
Amen? That's what God wants in each and every one of us. He knows down here on this earth we're going to have persecution and tribulation. He knows the fiery darts of the enemy is going to be shot, shot at us. That's why he's given us that great armor to walk in like we talked about last week. He knows we're going to have problems. But thank God he's overcome all of it and we're better going through it together than we are by ourselves. That's why it's called the body of Christ. That's why God gave us the church in the first place so that He might grow something here on earth that looks like what it looks like in heaven and answer the prayer of His Son that said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just say, if you're rightly related to a church, rightly walking as you should in a church, it will be the closest thing to heaven you'll ever experience till you get to heaven. I like what one preacher called it, a little slice of heaven to go to heaven in. I'm telling you, we've had some services around here. We've had some experiences around here. We've had some outreaches around here. We've had some, some, some ministers, some uh, uh, meetings in some nations that I'm telling you, the glory of God, the anointing of it was almost like standing in heaven itself. The presence of God. Sometimes in praise and worship, I'll stand down there, I'll just get overwhelmed with the presence of God, the anointing of God. And to think heaven is richer than that, but he's just slicing off a little piece of it and saying, enjoy this right now, down there in the nasty now and now. Just a little taste of that which is coming. Amen? So, now look at this a little further before I get ahead of myself. I get excited with this kind of stuff. I love the church. You know, Jesus said, I'm coming back for what? A glorious church. A glorious church. He didn't say, I'm going to come back for a bunch of glorious people spread off. No, he said, I'm coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So that we ourselves glory in you and in all the churches for your patience and faith and all your persecutions, tribulations that you endure. Now listen to this. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Ooh. I was studying that the other day, and I thought, now wait a second, wait a second. I need to meditate on I need to read that. I need to think of that. Now listen to it. Listen to it again. Listen to it again. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. You say, now wait a second, Pastor. You're talking about suffering for God. That's not what that's saying. It is saying this, I've gathered you together. I've gathered you as a church and a body. I've put order. I've put, I've, put a, I've put assignment. I've put purpose. I've called you to do certain things, to be certain, a certain a group of people that manifest my glory. In so doing, the righteous judgment of God is manifested in every one of you through the things you are suffering. Which means when you're suffering sickness, when you're suffering poverty and lack, when you're suffering those things, and the glory of God and His grace and the faith of God that comes to you brings you out of that situation, that is a manifestation of the righteous judgment of God. He's saying, I've judged that sickness upon the cross and declared you healthy. I've judged that poverty upon my son. I put it on him so that you might be abundantly supplied and I declare you blessed of the Lord. Literally, the righteous judgment of God is seen in the blessings of the church. Woo! When I begin to see that, I begin to get excited. The righteous judgment of God is manifest through the blessings in your life. 
when you are healed, when you're blessed, when you get that breakthrough, when you get that raise, when you get that promotion, when you get that breakthrough in your business, whatever it is you're believing God for and that glory of God, you receive something beyond your ability to produce it and you know it's God. God says that is the manifestation of my righteous judgment in the earth. Woo, man. Go read that and meditate on that a little bit. It'll get big. Kind of like chewing an oyster. This is oyster season, you know. When you get oysters, don't chew them much. If you've never eaten them, don't chew them much. Because an oyster's like this. You put it in your mouth, and it's the size of a quarter. And if you chew it 20 times, it's the size of a basketball. You say, what is your point, preacher? The more you chew it, the bigger it gets. Which is true of the Scripture. The more you chew it, the bigger it gets. I'll take a dozen. I would too. Amen. Seeing, now listen to this. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you that are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. You know what he's saying? He said, now listen, here's the people. Now listen, he's not talking about people troubling. Say, oh man, I've been looking for that scripture for 20 years. God's going to finally get my neighbor. Fiery indignation. I'm telling you, God's going to burn him up. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. Because your enemies are not in the natural realm. Your enemies, as we talked about last week, are those principalities, those powers, those wicked spirits in high places, those things that do evil against you, the sickness, the disease, whatever spirits may arise, the oppression of the adversary, the doubt that tries to come. God says, listen, your victory against them is my righteous judgment against what they're trying to do to you. I judge that sickness. I judge that financial problem. I judge that situation in your mind. I judge it by the righteousness produced by my son and I declare you delivered in Jesus' name. Every every time we walk in the victory of God, the enemies of God suffer His judgment. Woo, my goodness. That means cancer walks back with its head down to the devil saying I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Poverty and lack walks back to the devil and says, I tried, I tried, I tried to break them, but they just kept tithing. They just kept offering. They just kept saying, thank you, Lord, for our building. There was nothing we could do. That's the judgment of God against those that are arrayed against us. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord God shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. Now listen to this. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Oh my goodness. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. Separation from the presence of God is everlasting destruction. 
and there are those that are going to suffer everlasting destruction. Now, we're not talking about people. We're talking about these that have arrayed themselves against humanity, the principalities, the powers, the wicked rulers of uh, high places, but it is also those that participate with them in the earthly realm. Those that refuse the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that refuse what the Word of God says. Those that very lightly value spiritual things. You don't want to get caught up with that crowd. Listen, let me just say this. You get the judgment of who you follow. You walk under the judgment of who you... Now here's what people do. Well, Pastor, I ain't going to follow God. I ain't going to follow the devil. Well, you, you know, there's not a third choice. It's not, it's not like, you know, you can pick A, B, or C. You know, A's God and C's the devil. But there's this area B now. That's where you really want to live because, you know, you're really not messing with God. You're not messing with the devil. And, and that's where really you can live happy. And with, That's not, it's not there. There's no B. Everybody say, there's no B. It's not there. It's either God or the devil. It's either God or the devil. And you're walking under the judgment of whoever you are serving. And here's the good news. The judgment that was yours was taken by your Savior. And all of this punishment that is being talked about is not yours because your Savior and your Lord and the one that bled for you and died for you, He suffered that punishment so that you do not have to. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Thank God, because man, did I ever deserve it. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. You talk about admiration. Wait till you're able to square your shoulders in heaven itself and stand in front of your Savior and Him say to you, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, which shall be admired by men like Moses and men like Joshua and men like the Apostle Paul who said, I'm a son born out of time. They will be, you will be admired by men and women who just, their fondest imagination was to know what you know, do what you do, and be filled with the Spirit that you're filled with. Amen. You will be God's trophies. You will be, listen, you will be God's champions. You will be God, not you will be, you already are. You're God's trophies. You're God's champions. You're God's all in all. And listen, listen, listen. He suffered. He died. And He values you enough to call you family. Now you, you, you think of some high-rolling multi-billionaire was to walk up knock on your door. Say, you know, I'm just going to choose you to be in my family. I'm going to give you my name. I'm going to adopt you. And I'm going to bring you into my family. You know, people that that would happen to would probably go, Oh my goodness, my life is going to change. My needs are all going to be met. Anything I'll ever want will be granted unto me. Did you know that would be a lesser thing to you because God has already done that for you and said, I don't just want you as a servant. I don't just want you as a slave. 
I just don't want you as a covenant partner. I want you as a child, as a family member, so I can sit on my throne as the heavenly father and you can live down here on the earth as my children and as my body. Man, man. Go to Ephesians real quick. Man, somebody get anything out of this? Ephesians. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. The, the, the conclusion of the powerful prayer that's prayed there in Ephesians chapter 1. What is the exceeding, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of His power? To usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him, his own, set him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth it all in all. Now let me read those last two verses, 21 and 22, and they amplify. Twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. excuse me. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this world or this age and in this world, but also in the age in the world which are to come. He hath put all things under His feet and has appointed Him the universal and supreme head of the church, a leadership exercised throughout the church which is His body, the fullness of Him, now listen, who fills all in all, for in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with Himself. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, you know, coming to church, I can take it or leave it. It's really no big deal. I can go here, go there. It really doesn't matter. Ah, some Sundays I come, some Sundays I don't. Wednesday nights, I don't know. If I got time, I'll make it. You don't understand what you're saying. The creator of all this that we have, everything that we have says this. This is what he says. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a way where not only you can live as my child, but I'm going to give you a Savior. I I didn't entrust this to an angel. I didn't entrust this to a preacher on the earth. I didn't entrust this to some potentate, some some king or some president, some ruler. I only dare entrust this to my son Jesus. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a plan and I'm going to call it redemption. The repurchasing of the human family so that I might have God's family on the earth. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to leave them without power. I'm not going to leave them without answers. I'm not going to leave them without ability. I'm going to put them in a body, just like a physical body, but I'm going to make my son the head. I'm going to give him supreme headship. And everything that is in him is going to be in a continual flow down through the body. Down through the limbs, the arms, the legs, into the hands and fingers. Down through the chest and the, ca- and, and the abdominal cavity. Down through the legs and into the feet to the lowest part of the body, the skin on the bottom of the little toe. 
it will still be my son perpetually flowing. And in that flow, oh my goodness, in that flow, there is a full measure. Now, now listen, we don't, we don't get this. We don't get this. If we got this, we'd flip, we'd flip the world upside down. That's why we need to get it. I said that. He says, now in this, in this union, in this unity, and in this family is the full measure of who my son is. Everywhere he went, if there's a blind person, he healed them. If there's a lame person, he healed them. Leper, they healed them. Even people stood outside the covenant, caught in acts of adultery, he restored them. He loved. He healed. The Bible says, Acts 10, 38, he went about doing good, healing all that were pressed to the devil. He says, I want the template of that to resonate and be reproduced on the earth. And the only way I can do it, if I could do it any other way, I'd do it another way. But the only way I can do it is to raise him from the dead. He breaks the power of death, hell, and the grave. And then I raise him up to his rightful position at my right hand. He puts his blood on the mercy seat and I usher and give unto him the person and power of the Holy Ghost which he pours out in abundance into his body. And to every born again, every spirit-filled person, I fill the body full of myself, full of healing power, full of prosperity, full of breakthrough, full of anointing, full of destiny, full of calling. It's all there for you to partake of. Amen? You say, well, you're talking about things just a little bit bigger than we are. It is a little bit bigger than we are. It's God in the earth, in us, and through us. God in us through the new birth empowers us in baptismal measure of the Spirit and walks among us in the unity of our fellowship. And as He walks among us in the unity of our fellowship and the love of God is in manifestation, faith works automatically. Faith worketh by what? Love. And the world sees it and says this. That's God. That's God. And the devil sees it and shakes in his boots and says, if I don't stop those people, people are going to keep saying, that's God. Their hunger will grow. Their curiosity will grow. They will want to see and experience. They will want to taste and see. And I tell you when they do, I'm going to capture them for myself and draw them to my heart. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to raise them up as my family in the earth. Listen, that's why the church experience is so important. It's so important that we live together, that we love together, that we minister together, and that we do together that which God has called us to do. Without it, sure, you can go out and get blessed here, get blessed there, do this, but you'll never be in the fullness of that which God wants you to be outside of His intended place, which is the church. That's why you got to guard yourself. Now, let me close with this. I don't know if I can close with this. But I'll try. Here we go. And have put all things under His feet, gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth it all in all. Now, chapter 2, verse 1, the first... Two words ought to make you shout. Now, let me set it up for you so you may shout. 
down through the prayer in chapter 1 is tremendous revelation about the risen Christ. Him being the head of the body. His resurrection from the dead being not a demonstration of God's power, but the demonstration of God's power for all the earth to see. The foundation of how much power we believe our God has. Not just the power to raise a dead person from, from death. That had been done before. They threw a dead man on the bones of Elisha, and he got up and walked. Elijah raised the dead. Jesus raised the dead. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a death so secure that the only way to break the chains of that death had to be the power of God. That's a death in which not only all the sin of the world, but the motivation to sin, which is iniquity, all the sickness and disease, all the depravity, and everything that separated man from God was laid upon him and weighted him down in the regions of the dam. And for three days and three nights, darkness was on the face of this earth. I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. Heaven, there was no singing. There was no rejoicing. There was nothing to say that God was love, peace, righteousness, and joy. It was just the whole earth on the verge of extinction. And then all of a sudden, at the end of three days and three nights, a light shined in the region of the dam. And Jesus was raised up where he went into the grave, Son of Man, he come out of the grave, Son of God, victorious, victorious over the enemies of mankind, death, hell, and the grave. Separation, the place of separation, and the seal of separation upon this earth, which is the grave. He said, I got their keys. I got their keys. And when he rose from the dead, and he entered into the Holy of Holies, and poured his blood on that mercy seat, God said, everyone that comes through you, Jesus can have everything that I have. They will not just be in a covenant. They will be in a family. I will include them. They will be cut off the wild vine and grafted into the, into the righteous vine and be a part of every promise I've ever made in the Word of God. And in doing that, I've risen you from the dead. I've given you a name that is above every name. I've put all things under your feet, made you to be the head of the church. You fill the body full of yourself. And then the first two words of chapter 2, verse 1 is this. And, which is a conjunction. You, which is a pronoun, which means everything I just said about my son, I'm fixing to say about you. Now here, let me close with it. Let me, I mean, this, you, you, can't, you can't leave. You got to hear this. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh of the children of disobedience, among whom all we had our lifestyle, our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, His great unmeasurable love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, that's made alive, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Oh, and listen. And hath raised us up together 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, the devil wants you to deny who you are and deny your place. Well, if you're a new creature, why are you having these problems with your past? If you're a new creature, why are you having these thoughts? If you're the healed of God, why do you have this pain? If you're the prosperous of God, why are you going through this financial difficulty? If you're the, see, he challenges that just like he did Jesus. Amen. Then he challenges your position. Well, you're just a poor old sinner saved by grace, a worm of the earth. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You have no worthiness. You have no holiness. You have nothing that makes you acceptable to God. But you can stand upon the word of God, which declares over you that when Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. When he put his blood upon the altar seat, your sins were remitted and erased. And when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, God said, I sat you down right there with him. Don't get up and lose your place. Keep sitting in that seat of authority. Keep sitting seated at the right hand of the... See people, oh, that's heresy. You can't say that. Yes, I can. You say, well, because the Word says it about me. And I'd rather believe the Word than some theologian. So as a church, listen, we're a whole lot more than we think we are. You read down through the rest of the Scriptures. I mean, it starts blowing your mind. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. That means not just now on earth, but in the ages to come. We're going to still be what? Not just the church, but a church. He said, I'm going to show the manifold wisdom of God and His love and His mercy all throughout the ages of time and the expanse of the universe. What could that mean? It could be fun to find out. Amen? For by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourselves as the gifts of God, not of works least anyone should boast. Now listen, let's close with this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before ordained that we should walk in. Now I'm telling you, I don't have time to really expand on this, but let me just say something. You've heard me make this statement. On the earth, not everybody is a child of God we're all created by God, but not everybody His child. You've got to be born again to be His child. Now, the proof of that is in this scripture. That we are what? Well, in our first birth, we are created. Now listen to me. In our first birth, we are created by procreation in Adam. But by the new birth, we are created by God in Christ. And our first birth put all kinds of negative things and problems and family problems and generational curses and all kinds of junk in your life. But God brought you over into His family where you were created in the likeness of Adam's fall and the Adam's family. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> now you are created in the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Which means... No matter what you find in your earthly family, cancer runs in my family, divorce runs in my family, alcoholism runs in my family, depression runs in my family, you have the right to declare, now wait a second, I may have been created and procreated into your family, but I've been born again. I said I've been born again, not of, not of corruptible seed, 
but of uncorruptible seed. The procreation took place the day Jesus rose from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of the laws of reproduction, I am now a child of Almighty God because I am born again. Hallelujah. You ought to put your hands up and thank God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we bless your name. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you. I'm born again. I'm part of the body. Thank you for the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. That I'm complete in him. That in him I live and move and have my being. And no matter what showed up in my life, because of my first birth. It is nothing, nothing compared to the power of the new birth that delivers me from every bondage, every heartache, all the pain of my first birth in Jesus' name. Now stand on your feet and thank God for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, here's what you need to tell yourself. Every time you come to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings, conferences, revival meetings, special speakers, in-house speakers, whatever we have, you ought to continually tell yourself this. There's more going on down there than I see. There's more going on down there than I hear. There's more going on down there. I'm talking about down there, talking about down here in the church. Here at Island Church. There's more going on down there than I perceive. But I thank God what is going on is beginning to affect me. The way I hear, the way I see, and the way I respond to the tribulation and trauma of this world. And because of that, I will remain in my position of being seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Being an overcomer, more than a conqueror, and that which God calls me is that which I am in this day and hour. If you'll do that on a continual basis, you'll realize, recognize, and understand how valuable every moment we spend together in unity is. It is so valuable because it is the body of Christ in which He releases the fullness of His ability. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this evening, for your word, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. As is our tradition, standing upon your word, we proclaim and declare our protection and safety. From the places we travel and the way we travel to them and from them. To the places where we work and handle the resource you have blessed us with. We declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes not dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. And we thank you, Lord God, no matter where we go, what we do, we abide under the shadow of the Most High, safe and secure from plans of evil and wicked men, people who just don't pay attention, or for Satan himself, who has evil plots and plans against us. Thank you that your mighty hand of protection cover and bless us. Thank you for a door of utterance. Let the effectiveness of our faith and our unity together 
Be a blessing to all the hurting and people in pain that we're around, that you give us access to. We desire to be an available people to you, God, to be used in mighty ways to bless the people of the area in which you place us. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love toward you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. For we know that is the true sign of your righteous judgment in the earth today. Father, we thank you that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. And that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.